I really appreciate you for being here today, for shutting down worship on Cooper Avenue and coming over here. We're just so excited to have you. And welcome again to Memphis on behalf of Christ Quest. And welcome to this expression of Christ Quest Community Church and Redeemer and our fellowship. Let's give our pastor a hand as he comes. Good morning. What a uh, gift it is to be with y'all this morning. It's, it's uh, like Pastor Marlon said, we've gotten to hang out a few times over the past year and a half, but to uh, finally bring all of our churches together is something I've been really looking forward to and sad that we've been delayed in doing so, but here we are, and it's, it's great to be with you. Great to have our, our crews come together in a... Uh, in a gymnasium, like we're having a pep rally for Jesus. Um, but I want, to, uh, I want to share just a few thoughts out of Luke chapter 7. If you brought a Bible with you or if you can find one on your phone perhaps, we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, just the first 10 verses. And as you're flipping there, I just wanted to uh, tell you this past year I turned 40, which I know. Um, I don't look a day over 25, but it's true, I'm 40. And uh, for my birthday, my wife did this amazing surprise gift for me. She um, uh, got a whole bunch of old friends and family and some folks from the church and old students that I used to know, and, and she had them film themselves singing and dancing to this song that I love, just little video clips, and then she sent all these video clips to a friend of ours who edited them all together into this one music video. And that morning, uh, the morning of my birthday, she sits me down on the couch, and the kids come over, and we had had a birthday celebration, and then uh, she opens up the computer and says, I want to show you this video, or I want to show you something. And she plays this video, and I'm seeing face after face of all these faces and friends and these people that I've known throughout all the years, and it just undid me. I was laughing. I was crying. I was, I was just a mess. I had never really experienced so many people in a condensed way showing love and support for me. I was overwhelmed, and I sat back and just marveled at this thing that my wife had pulled off and all of my friends and family had pulled off, and I just was, I was astounded, marveled. Now, the reason I tell you that is because in the story we're about to look at, Jesus has a similar reaction. He marvels. He's, he's blown away by something, which it takes a lot for someone who is omniscient to be blown away by something. But what is it that he marvels at? What is it that he is just blown away by? It is somebody's incredible faith. And so I want to look at this passage with you because I think it's so helpful. It helps us understand what faith is because faith can be just this very confusing, squishy idea. What is it? This passage shows us. Well, let me read it, and then we will consider it together. Luke chapter 1. After he, that's Jesus, after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. 
And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray, and then we'll consider it for a few moments together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is powerful and effective, that it cuts through into our most deepest core of who we are. Would you take your word by your spirit, pierce us, heal us, and give us faith, maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time, renew our confidence in you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Three things I want to show you about faith this morning, faith that Jesus marvels at. The first thing is that faith is coming to Jesus in need. Coming to Jesus in need. Verse 1, after Jesus had finished all these sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. Now, you might know a centurion is a Roman military officer. This is somebody who has a lot of people under him. He's in charge. He's in control. He's competent. But he has this servant of his that is sick to the point of death, and he values him. He cares about him a lot. Now, he has entered into a situation that is above his head. He's out of his league. Here is a situation in which this powerful man can't do anything for this person that he loves. And so he sends help to Jesus. That's the first thing we see about faith. Faith is coming to Jesus in need. He, he's been dealt a deck of cards he can't handle. He's in over his head. He can't fix this situation, and so he comes to Jesus with his need. Now, that is not always my instinct. Whenever I run into problems or challenges, it's really easy for me to just go into fix-it mode. I got this. I'm, I, I'm okay. I got this. A few years ago, our sink was broken, and you, don't, you, need to, you need to know this about me. I'm not a handyman. I don't know anything about anything when it comes to house repair and stuff, and so my wife, Catherine, told me, you need to call somebody. And I said, I got this. I got this. Watched some YouTube videos, got some stuff at Home Depot, went under the sink, pulled out everything. I started messing with stuff, unwrenching, you know, unhooking stuff. Water's dripping everywhere. I got this. I got this. Four hours into this project, I realized, I don't got this. And uh, I said, I think I need to call a handyman. And uh, I did. I was out of my league. I was in over my head. 
And here is this man who is so used to getting stuff done. I got this. Leave it to me. And he runs up against something where he can't, he can't fix it. And so what does he do? He turns to Jesus with his need. Need is the thing that God gives us so often to drive us to Jesus. It is not your enemy. It's the gasoline that drives you into the very arms of Jesus. We all have things about our lives that are overwhelming. We're all limited. Life deals hands to you in so many ways that just constantly make you feel powerless. And yet, don't be ashamed of your need. Don't be uh, embarrassed by it. But allow it to be the thing that drives you into the very arms of Jesus. That is faith that Jesus marvels at. He loves when his children come to him not in strength but in their weakness, in their need, so that he can meet their needs. That's the first thing that we see about faith. It's coming to Jesus in need. Here's the second thing. Faith that, marvel, that Jesus marvels at is also coming to him in humility. Coming to Jesus in humility. Look again at verse 4. This is this entourage that, that had been sent by this centurion to Jesus. Verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And so Jesus went with them. Now, these centurion's friends, they go to Jesus and they say, hey, here's why you should help this guy, because he is worthy. He deserves it. And then they start listing out his resume. He loves our nation. Roman military officers don't love the nation of Israel, but he does. And he built us our synagogue. He either financed it or he got out there and, you know, was sweating and he did all the work himself. He is worthy. He deserves it. This is how they think a relationship with God works. When you're a good person, you come to God and he gives you good things. God owes it to you if you're worthy, but that is not how the centurion thinks. Look at verse 6. When Jesus was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. He comes back to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you don't owe me anything. I don't know what these jokers were talking about. I'm not worthy. He comes to Jesus in humility. That is, faith is on the one hand saying help, and on the other hand saying I don't deserve it. Now, to help you understand this, um, whenever I go to the grocery store, and I get a big load of groceries and all the bags are in the, in the car. I don't know about you, but I don't like taking multiple trips to the car back or to the kitchen back and forth and back and forth. I try to load up all the bags on, on my hands so I can do one trip, have 18, 20 bags or whatever dangling off of every single finger, every digit. The plastic is heavy. It's cutting into my arms, and I'm, I'm, I'm dragging, I'm bringing it into the house. <laughs> Thank you. And um, it's hard. It's hard. And whenever I would get home, my children, when they were younger, 
Anytime I'd walk in the door, they would, they would see me and their faces would light up and they'd say, Daddy, Daddy, and they would run to me and they would want me to pick them up and hug them and hold them. They don't do that anymore. But um, back then they did. And whenever I would come home from the grocery store and I have all these groceries on my arms as much as I wanted to pick up my kids and receive my kids, I couldn't receive them because my hands were full. You can only receive when your hands are empty. So if you're going to come to God with your hands full, not of groceries, but of your trophies and all the reasons why he should bless you, all of your accomplishments, all of your achievements, I'm a good person, I did this, I did this, you owe me now, you can't receive God. You can only receive him when your hands are empty. See, the reality is God is not interested in trading with us. He's not interested in you saying, okay, bring me a little obedience, bring me a little money, bring me a little time, and then I'll answer your prayers, and then I'll work good things in your life. He's not interested in being your customer. He's interested in being your savior. He doesn't want to trade with us. He wants to save us. So we come in humility asking for grace. Grace, by definition, is something he doesn't owe you. It's a gift. But when you come in humility, I'm not worthy. I've got nothing. I've got nothing but need. He marvels because he delights to give grace. He delights to save. He delights to meet us in our need even when we may be in need because it's our fault. He's that good. That's the second thing we learn about faith. Coming to Jesus in need, coming to Jesus in humility. Here's the last thing. Faith that Jesus marvels at is trusting that Jesus is strong. Trusting and believing that Jesus is strong. Look at verse 7. The centurion says, therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but, he's talking to Jesus, Jesus, just say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, here's what he's talking about. He's saying, Jesus, I know that you are so powerful, you just say the word and it'll be done. Because I understand how that works. He's saying, I'm a, I'm a military guy, I've got soldiers underneath me, and I just say, go over there, and they do it. I say, drop down and give me 100 push-ups. They don't ask questions, they don't, they don't talk back, they just do it. He's saying, I know what it's like to be powerful to just say something and it gets done. But Jesus, you, you are in charge of everything. You are powerful over every square inch of the universe. And so you just say the word and my servant is healed. He is trusting that Jesus is strong. Jesus is powerful. And here's what I want you to see. What matters the most is not how big your faith is, but what your faith is in doesn't matter how big your faith is unless, unless it's in the right thing. 
Uh, a couple of uh, summers ago, my family got to go to a summer camp for a few months, or a few weeks. A few months would have been a long time, just a few weeks. And it was wonderful. They had all of these different activities and all these different rope swings. And, and one of the things that they had there was this activity called the Leap of Faith, which was a giant telephone pole. And they put a helmet on you and a harness on you, and they hooked you up to this big cable, this big rope. And you would climb up the telephone pole, get to a little platform at the top, and then you would just jump. And the cable was supposed to catch you. And our daughter, who was maybe about eight years old at the time, desperately wanted to do this activity with me. She said, Dad, can we please do the leap of faith? And I was like, okay, fine, we'll do it. We'd get the helmet on, get the harness on, lock into this thing. And we climb up this telephone pole. I mean, I don't know how, it was huge. We get to the top, and the climbing up was actually pretty easy. But once we got up there, my life started to flash before my eyes. My knees started to knock together. My heart was racing. I'm freaking out up there thinking, okay, I've got to jump off of this thing. And I look over at, at our daughter, Zoe Kate, and she's just as cool as a cucumber. She's fearless. This is just a walk in the park for her. She's like, Dad, what, what's, what's the deal? We've seen a million people do this. The rope's going to hold you. This is going to be fun. So I'm freaking out, and the person down there says, okay, I want y'all to jump as we count down. Three. I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. Give me a second. They say, no. Three, two, one. We jump. The rope catches us. We're suspended in air for a second. We drift down to the bottom. When I hit the ground, I get on my knees, start kissing the ground. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for getting me down safely. Now, what if at that point I looked at my daughter and said, Zoe Kate, isn't it amazing that our faith caught us and saved us? She would say, your faith didn't catch us and save us. It was the rope. The cable is what caught us. You had very little faith in that rope, and I had a lot of faith in that rope. And here's the reality. It saved us both, didn't it? If you have weak faith, but it's in a strong Savior, you will be saved. And consequently, if you have strong faith in a weak Savior, you won't. If I had been attached by not a cable and not a rope, but if it was dental floss, it doesn't matter how much I believed in my heart of hearts that it was going to hold me. If we jumped off of that thing, it was not going to hold us. It doesn't really matter how much faith you have. What matters is what your faith is in. This is why Jesus said you only need faith the side of a mustard seed, a speck. Even if you come to me barely believing, barely hanging on, guess what? I'm powerful enough. I got you. Here's the good news. Jesus is a powerful Savior, and he's big enough, and he has proven that he can take anything that you want to throw at him, your whole life, your doubts, your sin, your mistakes, your failures, your suffering. He is strong enough to handle it all because he's already proven it on the cross. On the cross, he's born it all, and not just for you, but for the world. 
And three days later, what did he do? He burst out of the grave, resurrected as if to say, bring it on. Throw anything that you want at me. Roll all of your weight, even if you barely trust me. Weak faith in a strong Savior will save you. So what does Jesus do? How does this story end? Look at how it ends. Verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Here is what faith looks like that Jesus marvels at. Come into him with your need. Come into him in humility. Come into him trusting that he is strong enough to handle it all. Another way to put it is like this. Faith that Jesus marvels in is believing and acting on this reality that you have a great need for a savior and you have a great savior for your need. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see Jesus as bigger and as more beautiful and as more believable than we tend to think. He is strong. He is able to handle whatever we throw at him. He promises to hold us up, and he has proven it with his life and his death and his resurrection. Renew our confidence. Deepen our confidence in Jesus. Help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to plant them firmly fixed on King Jesus, whom we rest in alone. We pray all this in his name. Amen.